Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And this, this is, is the story, story So Farscape. Farscape. Previously on Farscape. Oh no, hold on, it's, it's Rigel that does it this time. Previously oh. on Farscape. Yes, we have been on uh, the planet of the uh, breakaway Sebastians who yes. are trying to broker a peace, or at least is maintain a delicate balance between mm. the Scarons on one side and the peacekeepers on the other, which again, to me, suggests that the peacekeepers is more of a government, really, yep. rather yep. than just uh, the organization of thugs that I still think it should be. I mean, what you, wait, what, what do you mean? I mean, why do they call themselves the peacekeepers if they're not like a, you know, a military, a, a peacekeeping force, which is usually in the ah. service of something or someone rather than a government on its own? So here's some interesting stuff that we've learned. By the way, we're doing Look at the Princess, part three. We'll get yes, to some of these. The Maltese Crichton. I'm really excited to sort of geek out with you. So piecing together some stuff that we've learned, one of them is that the peacekeepers were hired yeah. by the the new sort of dictator of Delvia, yeah. as we recall. His tenure was up instead of yielding control. He and the other conservative partners hired the peacekeepers for external security. Our world changed forever. Uh, Zahn was mind-banging yes. Bital, who refused to give up his power at the end of his term, mm. and instead hired the peacekeepers right. to enforce his rule. So I guess that is just a, that a bit of a mercenary army that they all are, also are. Right. So what does that mean when you're talking about peacekeeper territory? Maybe this is the area where they have exclusive contracts, yeah. where they have a monopoly on this kind of peacekeeping yes. uh, contract. Which they probably enforce with their own forces. Yeah, so getting, or sometimes by yeah. planting certain vegetables. So they're a little bit more, bit of a mafia organization, really. <laughs> what does space politics even look like? Oh, true, true. Okay, yeah. Oh, so, we have summaries. Oh, we do, right. Uh, thank you to all our listeners for sending in the uh, synopses. We always enjoy reading these. Where would we be without them? I can't believe that we relied on, like, BBC synopses previously when yes. our, our listeners are so brilliant. We love our scuttle buddies. Billy Roberts says, In the thrilling conclusion, Crichton loses his head and must join together to save a member of the team. Plus, Aaron must come to a hard truth. Finally, Zahn has a final face-off with John Hardy. Good job, Billy Roberts. We have another one from Wookiee. Yay. John does his best impression of the bourgeoisie during the French Revolution. <laughs> Zahn flirts with deicide. Nice. Mm. Dargo tries out for the NFL by showcasing his open field tackle. Yes. Aaron drags her emotional baggage across <laughs> her field. This is great. Yes. And Crichton and Aaron share a joyful smile. Oh, this is fantastic. It is. Thank you, Wookiee. Yeah, we're talking about, look at the princess, part three, the Maltese Crichton. Like, I have been, okay, I know how often I talk about that I've been really excited to uh, to see a particular episode. episode. I, I didn't feel that for look at the princess because I know it's good. Right? This yeah. is what I think of when I think of Farscape in its maturity. Uh, oh, we've so we've arrived at the mature stage now. For a while. Okay. Like, there have been yeah, these, yeah. Uh, these fantastic highlights already with, like, uh, a Nerve and the Hidden Memory. Like, that was Farscape all grown up. Right, yes. And so I knew it would be good. And I had just forgotten how good Farscape can be when it really commits to these stories. I mean, we've I've talked before about how glad I am that they... You can say padded out these episodes from a two-parter right, to a three-parter, yeah. really give it room to breathe and, and spend some time developing these characters in maybe less stressful situations. Or like, I mean, there's a lot of stressful situations going on. So just a quick recap. John is genetically compatible with the princess, yep. and uh, they must uh, rule together. He gets strong-armed into that by the empress because she says, Mar- marry my daughter or otherwise I'm going to give you to Scorpius. <laughs> he learns that after the marriage, they have to uh, spend 80 years standing as statues in the Senate Hall to observe politics and learn and then they will rule. The princess's brother has uh, poisoned her uh, DNA in order to make her incompatible with everybody uh, so that he can rule himself. However, John, being human, is uh, still compatible with uh, the princess. Yeah. This is all being masterminded on one side by a Scarron ambassador who is on the prince's side and another peacekeeper envoy who is also uh, trying to work on the prince, trying to marry her and get herself set up as the next ruler. Oh, yeah. So I caught something in the uh, the previously on. Previously on Farscape. Mm. Something that we skipped over. Like her job is to stay close to Claivor and if he ascends the throne, kill kill him. him. Yes, I caught that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how that's supposed to work out, but because then there would be another power vacuum, I guess someone else would step in. So I don't really see what the idea behind that was, but I like that character. Yeah, Genavian. Yes. Genavian Chateau, Disruptor, Peacekeeper Special Directorate. 
we finished the last episode after a brief sojourn to uh, an orbiting spacecraft that came under attack due to John's near-suicidal refusal to be recaptured yes. by uh, Scorpius via Lieutenant Bracker, who finally has a name. And he had such a lovely outfit. Mm. He had a cool leather spacesuit. Meanwhile, uh, Moya, with Zan, only Zan on board, and Pilot, of course, are dealing with the creators of the Leviathans. Yeah, the builders, uh, in the form of Space Caligula, as yes. you named him. <laughs> Welsh space Caligula. <laughs> yes, the Romans made it to Wales. Yeah, they just never got oh, north yeah. of Hayden's Wall. So that's entirely well possible. Who has decided that since Moya can now produce gunships... Moya must be decommissioned. She must die. And yep. has basically told her to shut down, which also is going to kill Pilot, leaving Zahn stranded there and having to deal with the situation. So let's resolve these plots in... Let's start, yeah, we can resolve that one the easiest, and then we don't have right. to skip back and forth. Very good. Because we ended with Moya's life being ended by the builders, yes. because uh, they had decided she's capable of breeding gunships, yep. and that's uh, not what they intended for the universe. And Pilot is also slowly dying because of this, because he's, of course, connected to Moya. Zahn says a bit of a farewell to him, and then really doesn't do much more than shout at the deity, Caligua. Kahenu, I will speak with you now. Yeah, uh, uh, has a uh, <laughs> has a name, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's not really it doesn't matter. Cool. And we next see her in the maintenance bay, yes, uh, fiddling with uh, John's module. And Caligula appears once again and says, "You should use one of Moya's transport pods instead of that little one." They're much better, yeah. But uh, she has her own reasons for fiddling with uh, John's uh, little ship. I mean, it's a little bit of compassion from Caligula's side. Like, right. we have decided that Moya's life must end, not yours. You're right, yes. He's being very adamant that uh, she should leave. Uh, yeah. She, on the other hand, has uh, something else planned because she's working with the DRDs yes. uh, and kicks the engine on. Uh, in reverse. In reverse, which starts to... It's gone from blow to suck. suck yes, which starts <laughs> to suck this god. Stop this! Who is always like kind of cloudily manifesting. I really loved how they did that scene where he's just right. kind of like floating around. His, low, his nethers are always enshrouded in smoke and you can't really see. He's always lit from above by a very bright light. Like he's yeah, really he's a, just in this a divine uh, uh, apparition. Who's apparently not immune to air currents because he gets no. sucked in, slowly sucked into the engine. And uh, Zahn, yeah, decides, well, screw you. I'm going to like try to demand that you undo this, that you revive Moya, or at least rescue Pilot. Uh, yeah, spare Moya's life and I will spare yours, showing the hardcore side of her that she hasn't completely shared. No. I beg you! How does it feel for your prayers to go unanswered, Kahenu? Caligula doesn't give in and gets sucked into the engine and disappears. Zan immediately has a little bit of regret, like, yes. in my rage, what have I done? done yes, yeah, she, she goes, oh, I've killed a god. It's not my god, so I guess that's not such a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was very generous. I am Moya's deity, not yours. Yes, so, Mo okay, no, Moya. okay. We I, oh. Jonathan Hardy had a lot of fun with this. I can imagine. And also, like, he and Terry Ryan, the costume designer, go way uh -huh. back. As he described it, Terry Ryan and I have known each other since 1421 when I was a boy. <laughs> And the last time that he dressed me, or, oh, I don't know what pronouns Terry uses, but the last time that, that Hardy was dressed by Terry Ryan, it was uh, for Pope Joan. Uh -huh. And so he was like, okay, he read the script, okay, it's this gaseous creature, but then he already decided on the Welsh performance when he got this yes. metal laurel wreath and this sort of spherical body shape and these cuffs. And okay, well, uh, Roman Welsh, I <laughs> yeah. guess we have. <laughs> Uh, uh, and he loved being like lit from above, and they put him on a little trolley so he didn't have to walk. So they could just push him around. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. I mean, it, it adds to the whole floating deity effect. Yeah. yeah. And then when the uh, uh, when the module is powered up and he gets sucked through, he actually sort of shrinks a little bit. Yeah. Oh, what a world! What a world! <laughs> It's kind of like it goes a little bit Ghostbusters there. <laughs> yeah. But yes, next time we see Zahn, she is administering last rites to Pilot, I believe. May the goddess recognize the gentleness of your spirit and guide you to your ancestors. Yes. She's dabbing a little bit of one of her oils onto the bridge of his nose. Yeah, anointing his body. And Caligula appears once again, again because surprise. Yes, apparently getting sucked into jet engines is not fatal for gods. I mean, F Firefly did it better with the whole jet engine thing. Although that <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Mal had a very different attitude to throwing people into engines, just by basically kicking him in. Yeah. Uh, oof. 
But I guess an elemental creature isn't so, uh, so no. easily cowed. But he is very impressed. Right, because apparently he was putting Zahn to a test. The test was never for Moya or even for Pilot. It was for Zahn. Which still seems a bit odd because he should have known that there are other people also on board of Moya, normally speaking. I guess whoever's, like, the only person aboard a ship is the captain, almost by default, right? Fair point. And yeah. it's the, the intergalactic you-touched-it-last doctrine. <laughs> And yes, he is now uh, allows Moya to revive because he he has seen that uh, Zahn's responsibility towards not, Moya not being allowed to create a whole fleet of uh, gunships yeah. is strong enough that he's they're apparently willing to run this risk. She would die or kill to protect Moya, and she wouldn't abuse Moya for her own gain. No, and you know it's a bit of a relief, but Zahn doesn't back down. No, we are confident that you will protect Moya vigorously against those who seek to exploit her. You are worthy of that responsibility. If that is so, then I demand you leave this ship immediately. As you wish. Like, okay, so I'm in charge again. Get the fuck out. Yes. Like, we are not cool. No, we are definitely not cool. <laughs> I'm not happy with what you put me through. Uh, thank you for bringing uh, Moy and the pilot back, but fuck off. They never tell the crew, though. No, they don't. It, they it they don't tell them what in, happened. Yeah. Nope. Uh, they've erased the logs, the, the, and, and they're not saying... And them. the crew just goes like, ah, they were probably lost, and they wouldn't want to admit to it. <laughs> <laughs> they, have, they have other things on their minds. I think maybe the second plot that we can handle, if we're if we're going to jump around and like tie these these loose ends, uh, is Aaron. Because right. Aaron doesn't interact with the main plot at, at all. all. No, she is off uh, with her new buddy with the the surfer hair and the uh, gosh, yeah, and the uh, Australian accent. Dragon Casanova, cousin to the Crown, uh, and they Dragon, are yes. Yeah. Aaron declined to be present at the wedding. Yeah. Uh, and instead, she went off exploring the Badlands with uh, her new buddy, who is, like, very eager to uh, please her. Everything I've suggested since the moment we met, you've consented to. They've all been good ideas. Which she uh, comments on when they are somewhere at the cliffs near the beach or something, uh, and they're going, yeah. to, they're going rock climbing. You always disagreeable? <laughs> And she's just bristling because... Right. She's like, a little bit of more pushback would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Like she's always so irritated at, at John, like, not agreeing with her every whim. But it really now someone, sucks when... <laughs> someone does agree with you every whim. <laughs> yeah. So they decided to be climbing. She asked him, like, are you a good climber? He was rated excellent. Mm. Uh, and So confident. Right. And they go up the cliffs. And... We're too high. What? It's a little high for him. Yes. He's a, uh, he's a little... Ooh. I thought you were rated excellent. Yes, that was in the training center. And so this is your first wall? Yes. Oops. I like that. She, and she doesn't denigrate him. She doesn't no. humiliate him she, or anything like that. She, she immediately goes into, okay, time to get down Problem from here. solved. Yep. Okay, just give me your hand. And he gives her, he, he yeah. gives her, her his hand. Gosh, that's a lot of pronouns. She tries to pull him up, and but he starts panicking, and the pair he of slips. them Hold fold. on. No, to yeah, the wall. To, yes. Not to my Not leg. Fold. Yes. And they both go tumbling down. Okay, now, do you know anything about rock climbing and like securing lines? Yeah. Is any of that supposed to happen? The falling part, it does, but those lines should have been tied off so short that they would have fallen and dangled a few meters down from it the It seemed like a very long fall. Yes, that was way too long. We didn't actually see them hit the ground, but it may very well be possible that they just smacked against the wall. They are in dire straits, though. Yes. Dragon is uh, laid out on a stretcher. Injured, unable to uh, sit, stand, or walk. Erin manages to uh, splint her own leg and find There's some dead blood branches. on her, her yeah. outfit, by the way. So the, the bone was sticking out. She just wedged it back in there with a bit of stick to yeah. lengthen the... To make it stronger and Those give some were support. cool, by the way. Sorry? Those outfits were cool. Yeah, they, they were, were pretty nice. They were all like, white. white. Which doesn't seem very practical for rock climbing. Well, in the, the Australian heat, you'd be very true, grateful true. for for wait. What 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 does the color matter for rock climbing? I assume that white clothes get dirtied very easily when you're oh, climbing when you're climbing rocks. Here's some more. Some more what? Clothes to be cleaned. Oh, no problem. Room for us both. No, I want you to wash these. I'll do you. Oh yeah, so this was uh, this was filmed in two locations north of Sydney, and one of them I had a, I had a note of that. One of them is called Cunell, which is a notorious body dumping ground. Oh, jeez. Where yeah, 
As in, just people. If you have a, if you're uh, in the Australian mm-hmm. mafia, that's where you go dump your bodies. That's what it said in the when I did the research. Okay, that's, that's it's so grim. Very well, peculiar. I mean, you saw the wave smashing against those rocks. True. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a convenient, good way of getting rid of them. Yeah. Ooh. So they have to trek through the barren lands with uh, Dragon complaining and and Aaron yelling at him, mm. and I guess she's getting out of this what she wanted, like a high stakes distraction. Right. Don't leave me. Don't tempt me. She's just like basically soldiering on and he's constantly talking to her that like she she knows how to deal with pain and hardship but not yes. with emotional pain and hardship. And he's really the uh, Yeah, he's being Chiana like a little bit. Yeah. Very very insightful and sort of explains to her what is feelings? What yeah. is this <laughs> feelings? Well, it really sucks. You never get inured to the hurt of an emotional wound because it, it hurts a friend. Well, why would anyone want that? Oh, because for the good times. Yeah. Because of all the days before it hurts. The good days. When you're in love. Yeah. And yes, I guess she does a little bit of emotional growing there, or at least learning to give those feelings yeah. a place. She learns an important lesson from Dragon that... I don't know why she's willing to accept it from from him because he's kind of disposable to her. You know, he right. was, a, he was yeah. a bit of a distraction and they're, they're going to go their own way. I mean, she is clearly saving his life, but there's nobody else around. I guess that allows her to... Yeah, it gives her Yeah, it gives her a, plot, a good point to allow her to uh, recover, basically, from the, yeah. the interactions that they've been having with, between John and Aaron, who have been, like, on and off, on and off, yeah. very much so. John being, of course in trouble for having to become the ruler of this, or the regent of this planet. She, oh, yes, very good. And, and she being attracted to him, jealous, I suppose. Yeah, she's all over the place. Yeah. Like she, she, so now it comes together very well uh, why she's been so like indecisive. She doesn't mm. want John to go through with this marriage, no. but she won't give him any alternatives. She doesn't have any. No. She won't even say that she, like the last time, you could run away, and he says, With you. And she won't say yes. No. Just with all of us. Yeah, which was the wrong answer. And at the point, John goes like, well, screw you. I'm staying here, safe from Scorpius here. And that's, he's still terrified of Scorpius. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's all at play. Like he's at a point where he needs, he needs more certainty about the alternatives that he's, that he's facing because they're all so uncertain. Mm. And so Dragon's advice is tell him how you feel. And she asks him like, what good would that do? He's already statue. Yeah, but then you'll know that he knows. Yes, because he can hear and see. And, and that's the last thing he says. And she spends the night, because they have to camp out in the barren lands, she spends that night thinking about that, like that just him knowing how she feels is actually important to her. Uh, and I think she spends a lot of time like thinking how to express that, because even at the very end, after all the A-plot is resolved, they haven't met. They, met, they meet again in the, uh, uh, in the maintenance bay. They're working on the Farscape unit, I believe. Uh, that's what John comes there yeah. to do. Erin's just like, she's working out, she's doing PT. Right. Uh, where apparently, like, the surgical reconstructors have done a good job on her yes. leg, and you can never tell that it's, uh, that it's broken, Cezanne, and she's not talking to him. No. Which he interprets, I think, as coldness, but I think, like, she's still trying to work out how to say right. how she how- feels, because that's the thing that she wants to do now. And they, uh, it ends up with the little uh, space poppers, I believe. <laughs> yes, okay, that's... That's what your boyfriend called them. Yeah. Who, once again, your boyfriend has, has has watched a few of these episodes with us, and they're always the fucking weird ones. The crackers <laughs> don't matter, and out of their minds. And now also, only part three. three. And each time I tell him, it's always like this. Like, I wish we could have even gaslighted him and, and pretended that this wasn't a part three, that this is well, just how the series a, there's goes. there's a previously on uh, uh, yeah, Farscape okay. so at the beginning. Sort of gave it away. But yeah, like so extra level of innocence. He's, he's like K-squared. <laughs> So they, uh, yeah, she has brought one of those little vials back with her. Uh, yeah, because apparently that's how she's chosen to communicate how she feels. She holds it out, offers it to him, and it's a completely silent scene. Yeah. It's beautiful. They uh, do the little kiss. Yeah, touch tongues. Touch tongues, kiss. And then there's a little bit of, I don't know, it's, it's ambiguity, I suppose, is yeah. the best word. Oh, that ending was so, so good. Because they part lips, and she turns around and she smiles, and he smiles, but they don't see, see each, each other. other. smiling, no. So they clearly tasted. There is genetic yeah. compatibility there. Yeah, um, they're a good match, and they both went, okay, so I guess it's a, a basis to work from. It's Yeah. It still yeah. leaves a lot unsaid, of course, but... 
that's uh, that's good melodrama. Okay, so we have these major plot arcs figured out. Now we can get to the adventure part because that's that's the meat and potatoes of this episode, and I loved it. So it starts off with a few people uh, standing in the chamber where of, of statues, I suppose, where they're yep. commenting on John's pose and. Uh, Dargo and Rigel are there to say their goodbyes to John. Dargo and Chiana, because Rigel is intending to stay. Yes, he's planning on becoming an advisor. and uh, Apparently he has no problem just waiting 80 years until they come out because he'll need an advisor and the food's good. Yep. I don't know if he's sort of forgotten about a reclaiming Hyneria or he's a very long-lived species, so maybe right. 80 years is... I mean, maybe he figures MVP. that he can use this for uh, making his uh, plot back. Once he's oh, like, yes. once he's buddy-buddy with the ruler of this, he figures that might be a good way to get back towards the Hynerian Empire. Oh, and you saw him at the wedding as well. I smell power again. Like, yes. He's missed it. He wants his fix. And maybe he just realizes that odds are against him being able to reclaim Hyneria and he figures, oh, this is pretty good too. There is a, I mean, it's not exactly a goodbye scene between John and uh, Dargo well, and Chiana, but yeah. it is. Like, they don't literally say goodbye, but this is probably going to be one of the last conversations because we fade out. Yeah, they have, to, they, have this, they have this communicator which allows them to talk to, uh, or at least hear what the statues say. It looked like a pocket calculator. It did a, a bit with a, with a headband uh, yes. attached to it. Yes, the prop department was, oh shit, we need something. <laughs> Oh, speaking of the prop department, this statue of John Crichton was at the head of the stairs at the Jim Henson Creature Workshop oh, for wow. years. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> what an awful thing to have to look at, but also a wonderful creation. True. What about what, what happened to the statue of the, uh, the princess? I don't know. Mm. I, I, I imagine it's not so, so iconic. I don't know if they'd ever, if they stored it. Yeah. Who knows? It might just be around in the background shots of other movies when they decided they'd need a statue and it was like, oh, we've got one standing around. It's the kind of thing that you... you It's the kind of thing you keep, you know? You can always put it in the back somewhere else. So I'm wondering about that. Wouldn't you want to keep the molds? Because the material might decay, but and the molds are also in components and easier to store. It depends on how they were made. I can't imagine that they cast them out of actual bronze. Uh, It's probably fiberglass or something like that. Oh, yeah. We get to find out shortly because into this throne room, which is the same room as the conversation room where you can... uh, Oh, yes. Haha. It's mentioned by by Councillor Taino that the acoustics of this chamber funnel all sounds to them. Every word being spoken in the chamber can be heard by them. Which may explain why it's so hard for people in other parts of the room to hear conversations. Okay. Eh, yeah. Being generous. Same, same sense. Cuts to the same room at night where the prince is having a little bit of a pissy fit. Phil! 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 I'm going to double his statue! I should be regent! He's having a little conniption. He's, yeah. he's so wild. I was supposed to be here. This is like supposed me. to be me. And he tries to punch Crichton in his face, and obviously he's bronze, so he hurts his little hand. But the Scaran ambassador uh, drags out his lightsaber, chops yeah. up John's head. And I, I uh, thought that weapons weren't allowed, but suddenly he's got a wrist laser. Yeah. And he's got his like other thing. I guess that's a natural power that he has. But apparently, I was really, again, like considering the security on this planet and how tight they are with everything, that Scaran ambassador got away with a lot of stuff. Yeah. And Scorpius was banished and he's still there. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like because uh, he was meant to leave within uh, a day after the ceremony. Oh, yeah, that's but right. But when in the morning it is discovered that the statue's head has been removed, the planet is locked yeah. down, nobody leaves, and every foreigner will be executed if this problem isn't solved. And yet they all still have the run of the palace. Yes. Like, okay, so the borders are closed. But you're not detaining the, like, three people that you really suspect. like That you're going to execute. Yeah, because the last time that Her Majesty threatened to have uh, off-worlders executed, she did, indeed, execute all of them. Yep. Because with his wrist laser, uh, Sastaretsky Karkin, the uh, Scaran, has chopped off Crichton's head. Yes. So apparently the statues can be uh, reassembled. Getting your head chopped off is not a big problem. As long as you have most of the pieces, then the machine will just reconstitute them back into a, a, a proper person. Very impressive. My uh, great-grandfather was broken in half when the Senate collapsed after a ground shaker. All he suffered was a severe limp. <laughs> yeah, how that works, I don't know, because we see that the head is hollow. Yes. So somehow every one of his cells has been squeezed into... I like mean, It's already been transmuted into different matter, so maybe the weight's still the same. We get to that shortly because they go down to foundry 
the foundry. Yeah, I, I suppose, suppose so. Yeah, a pit of foundry acid that looks that they like have conveniently lying around. Yeah, there's like fire everywhere in a big tub of boiling uh, acid which Ooh. they throw the head in because apparently yeah they have to like actually destroy it so that john cannot be revived properly yeah there's a oh the scarron is about to throw it in when claivor grabs the uh, head and slams it down on the edge and he sneers a little bit <laughs> i know you can hear me Crichton, and i know you're scared <laughs> Tips him into the uh, boiling acid where... In which the bronze head floats. Floats. Yeah. So, hmm. Weird. Not quite sure exactly what's uh, what's going on here, but oh no, bad, bad, bad news. Yes. And so in the morning, everybody in the palace is in panic because now there is a threat of all the foreigners being executed. Poor little Rigel. Right. He's so yeah. worried. He is. I mean, Rigel being both uncharacteristically helpful and is still being useless in this episode, I noticed. <laughs> yeah. They're all standing around being worried. Oh, they're out of their wedding outfits. They're all back in their own clothes, including Rigel, who I thought looked really nice in, uh, in pink. Oh, yeah, well, he's and so did Chiana. Yeah. You look great in pink. Brings out your eyes. <laughs> However, down in the foundry level, uh, Scorpius has, because he has genetically sampled John... Is that what the kids are calling it he these can days? Ap- he can apparently track this bronze head uh, down into the foundry level, fishes it out of the acid, and... With another fun shinty stick. Yes. (laughs) Which kind of looks also like what they make the hair pieces from the the girls out of. Yes, it's the sort of wafer kind of construction. And it dissolves in the background while uh, Scorpius, oh, he's so, so, ooh. uh, He's smug. He's a little menacing. He's intimate with uh, with John. Yeah, because apparently he knows a way to extract information from this as well. He doesn't get far, however, because he gets shot by an unseen assailant. So Scorpio is walking around with a severed head. Yeah. Here's a funny noise. Goes, who's there? Who's there? Who's there? And then he gets blasted in the chest. Yep. But we soon find out who it was that did that because it is revealed to be Genevian Charto. She is the disruptor. Yes. Who was embedded as a spy as uh, Clavor's consort. Yes. Who was going to uh, refuse to marry him unless he was actually going to be uh, crowned. Yeah, to stay close to him, because her main objective throughout all this is to Disrupt- keep the Scarrens at bay. Disrupt the dynasty, I think, because I'm not quite sure what the plan is. If she wants wants the princess in there, or if she... Cause she oh, it's wait, very no, unclear. this is... Yeah, it was in the first conversation, in the second uh, episode. Uh, her mission is to prevent Claydvore from ascending. That's it. Right. That's the whole of her mission. And she assumes that John's mission is to stay close to Katrala and get her to side with the peacekeepers and uh, invite them into these breakaway colonies. Right. She's doing an assist for what she thinks is a fellow disruptor. But uh, after she reassembles the statue and brings John back to life, she learns that uh, he is not Sebastian. Therefore, he is not peacekeeper. If you're not peacekeeper, you're not special directorate. If you're not special directorate, you can't be a disruptor. Yes. Therefore... You're, I'm not supporting your mission anymore. I'm, I'm going full on ahead with my mission. She's taken him to a deserted location to save him from another assassination attempt. But of course, in the meantime, that's only increasing the, the sort of paranoia that the Empire is under. Because right. their, their whole regent is now missing. First it was just the head, now, now the rest of him too. Yes. The prince and the Scaran ambassador are having a little stroll through the betrayal garden. They have a bit of a close confrontation and... Gosh, I felt so bad for the person. Oh, I forgot his name. I think I said it last time. The actor playing the ambassador? Yes, who also played the Kidva previously, because mm-hmm. this was in the middle of Australian summer, oh. in the middle of the sun. In uh, some sort of ornamental garden. Yes, the Chinese gardens of Sydney. Ah. Lovely, lovely location. But yeah, what an absolute nightmare. And to have... Imagine being in that nightmarish anxiety chamber with whirring servos all around you and just... Oh. <sighs> really impressive animatronics as well. Like mm. the... The interactions between Claivor and the Scarron are, are fantastic. Kurgan, we're through. Everything you said with pass is not. A scene later result in the Scarron ambassador deciding you have served your... Oh, wait, hold yes. on. Well, okay, Why so... Why does he do that again? So the, the prince wants to get rid of the Scarron ambassador. It's like, your and my goals are no longer aligned. And the Scarron ambassador says, like, you're well, you don't decide when our partnership is over. I decide when our partnership is over. Because there's some more investigating to be done. Because while John and Jenna, Genevian Charto, are, well, they're getting a little bit closer. Like, yeah. he's convinced her not to kill him. 
when she's got her wrist blade to uh, to his neck off screen during a commercial break. Apparently, he does the whole story so far, Scape. Right. Which she described as either the most pathetic fabrication I've ever heard or the most pathetic life I could ever imagine, either way. Oh, look, there aren't some whacked-out antecedents to a chick with a stiletto in her wrist. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, he tells her about, uh, yeah, how he's from Earth and how he's been traveling with Moya. Uh, and uh, she now, of course, now realizes the, the truth with him and Scorpius, that uh, he's not working for Scorpius, but that Scorpius is after him. Because she was the one who, uh, who shot Scorpius, not to kill him, she says, uh, this was a little bit weird, leave bodies around and they start looking for a killer. Yeah. There was a vat of acid right there, babe. Yeah, that seemed like it. Although at the end, I get the impression that Scorpius isn't concerned about acid because no. he literally dips his fingers and flicks it off casually. So <laughs> yeah. he seems to be fairly non-susceptible to it. He's found Dargo, or actually he arranged to meet Dargo. Thank you for meeting me, he says, when they meet in the club. Scorpius does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which I thought they- was a really f- strange way of interacting, those two. Yeah, right. Apparently they l- decided that, oh, yeah, we're aligned now. We both don't want to get killed, and therefore... Both of us don't want to get killed, and we want to find John. And then after that, we have separate ideas. Like, Dargo right. wants, to, wants to keep John safe, but they're also, like, neither of them is in a position to really enforce their will. No. Scorpius, as he says, I'm unarmed, I have no accompaniment. So now we are allies. Hmm. Effectively, yes. We're just dudes, so let's pit our right. resources together. So they're standing here in the middle of the club, <laughs> plotting out loud, <laughs> yeah. when the Scarron ambassador shows up. <laughs> yeah, and like... everybody starts grandstanding, shouting out their plans to everybody yes. where they can hear it. I commend your plan. Having an agent marry the princess. How did you defeat my DNA alterations out there? Scorpius is not in league with Crichton. We despise him. It's like, a, it's like a high school drama where they're just over here because I was standing on the other side of the locker door. Yes. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. And, and the solution to that is to yell your plan even louder. Darko, have you not read Sun Tzu? Well, whatever. <laughs> but yes, also the fact that none of the locals seem to be... Like you said, nobody's under house arrest. Nobody's being guarded. Everybody can just like to, yeah. go around and make their plans despite the, que- the emperors having decided that they might all be executed. Yeah. And like this... The, their security is rubbish. Uh, Cargan <laughs> uh, tor- heat tortures Dargo, which, interestingly, how? Does he lie? It's, I don't think it's heat torturing. It does that heat shimmering it's the, effect. It's the but, heat haze, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think it's actual heat. But yeah. I agree. Like The fans were quite divided at this point, whether it was just heat. I mean, it would make sense for uh, uh, Sebations who yeah. are very sensitive to heat. True. And he does look... Claybore is eventually killed with this this natural ability that Scarans have, and it does look like he's been toasted. But heat alone doesn't yeah. make you so so susceptible. No, I guess not. Because one of the things that Dargo lets slip is he doesn't know where Crichton is. Either, no. Chiana thinks she does, but... And he doesn't get to finish his sentence because now Cargan and Scorpius have decided they're going to have a race to For find Chiana. the Dabari. Yes. <laughs> it is a race. I am winning. <laughs> Scorpius would do very well in wacky races. I mean, <laughs> yes. or maybe even one of those, the great race or those magnificent men in their flying machines. I mean, I can or totally see Or it's a mad, mad, him. mad, mad, mad world. <laughs> oh, was that one too many? Ooh, maybe. So tricky. Uh, I, I recently saw a, a photo of that actor made up to look like... Terry Thomas, you mean? Yes, uh, yeah. made up to look as uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Oh, so wow, that ever, would work. Yeah, it's uncanny how much they can be made to look uh, like each other. Well, I mean, it would look be, at this. Yeah. Scorpius was made into Dran- Grand Moff Tarkin. That was uh, Wayne Pygram. He played Grand Moff Tarkin at the end of uh, Star Wars Episode Three. What was it? I thought at the end of episode three. Oh, that was actually him. Sorry. That was when, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. With makeup by Dave Elsie, who also right. made the Scorpius makeup. Oh, so he knew. Okay. I thought they did that digitally. Uh, you thinking of Rogue him. One. Oh, right. That's it. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, where they, they got an actor whose name escapes me, but he was a fantastic impersonator mm. and facially remodeled him digitally. But ah, in, uh, okay. in Star Wars Episode Three, it was... It uh, was actually him. Okay, Wayne so Pygram that, with that makes sense, then. Dave Elsie right. makeup, like the whole family. It's so good. So this race is won by... Oh, no, we, uh, no, no. we first have a fun little interaction between Dargo and Rydal. Rydal is so scared. He's got the scared hiccups again. Yes, he, so, like, he's, he, he was decided to go to find Chana, but then he was so nervous that he had to go eat, but then he was too nervous to eat. And then there's this cool moment of bonding where, like, Dargo asks him, I need your help to find Chiana. Yeah. And he says, I'll float above the streets for a better yes. view. Yes. 
And Dargo is like, Righteous! Thank you! Righteous! Teamwork! We'll find her! Says Rigel. He's so determined. This is amazing! Yeah, that's what I said. He was being, like, uncharacteristically helpful and extremely useless at the same time. <laughs> yeah. We never, unfortunately, get to see him hovering over the streets. No, we haven't even seen any streets yet. It's just a few select shots. But the race has been won by uh, uh, Cargan, who's walking through the Garden of Betrayal, carrying an unconscious Chiana over his shoulders. No big deal. No, this is where the prince uh, shows up again. He says that their relationship is dissolved because he's going to ascend the throne, but through no help of Cargan's. Yes, so therefore I'm like not honoring our agreement. Says Cargan, in that case... You are of no use to me. I have one final question for you, Duplicitous Prince Claymore. Do you know that, as promised, I am about to kill you? And kills him with his death ray, whatever. Death ray, heat ray. Crichton has meanwhile been, like... Frelling the uh, secret agent. Yeah. After she decided not to kill him, now the next thing we see is them skinny dipping in a moonlit pond. Right, yes. There's some serious outmaking going on. Yeah. Um, now, so... I didn't not, get that. I didn't, right? I didn't see why, that's, why that suddenly happened, how this was... Why is John interested in this? Like, yes. okay, so they can't go back to the palace because uh, the local fauna becomes carnivorous at, at night. At night, oh, yes. Okay. Apparently the fish don't because they're swimming, but... Yeah, and apparently not in the barren lands either because that's where... Uh, oh, well, that's uh, where they're barren, you know. Dragon, oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I want you to have this. She gives him a, a, a weapon, like one of her ostentation's jewels is actually a, a pulse pistol. Yes. Blaster or whatever. Uh, a little stuns, a lot kills. Kills, yes. <laughs> I mean, you could say that about most things. I suppose so, yes. Those sort of, <laughs> maybe not space poppers, but there are some things where a little stuns or a, a little's little fun and a lot kills. kills who? I mean, everything is deadly in big enough quantities. I'm really curious how you felt about this sojourn into romance between Crichton and uh, I thought it was uh, weird. I didn't understand John's motivation into doing this other than just trying to bang his way into her good graces. But that doesn't seem, it seems weird that she is also amenable to it into it yeah, yeah. yes they're both hot of but course that's... but she's a professional she specifically says my job is everything yeah i'm completely dedicated to my job and i don't really see how this really helps see okay we're, we're getting ahead of the willies and woodies but i'm with you i don't love it so i i i read a little bit about it like ben browder was really surprised that the fan base wasn't freaking out about him essentially cheating on right uh, uh, yeah like not that they'd made commitments but no that it wasn't a, a huge scandal or a, a mark against Crichton's character, but that it was largely accepted. And I do believe that, uh, like, David Kemper wrote that the studio or the network had requested some more sexy scenes and, uh, and romance. Okay, so that it just went, okay, well, we've got this hot Sebastian here. Let's just throw them together at a midnight campout. And yeah. everything that comes from that when two healthy uh, beautiful young people spend the night in a tent together. I figured that they could have just had another sex scene with Chi and Tentacles, because... Right. Oof. They're, they're, they've certainly been having a lot of fun there. Right, and they're, like, very intimate, and they've really grown together. When we return to the palace, Crichton is back in black. He's back in his leathers. Yes. Genevian is back in her outfit as well, with her hair all did up. But she doesn't have her uh, neck piece, which is no, the, which exactly. is now the stun pistol that uh, John has. She I guess t- he stuffed it down his pants. Like he's I guess got- codpiece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ceremonial codpiece. Cock rocket. <laughs> and they're each going to go their own way. They're going to into the chamber, but she tells him to let her go ahead so she can uh, prepare the situation before he barges on in. Because they're planning to throw the whole plot open wide. What I meant by them going their own way was, like, they're each back on their own mission. They know that right. this was a, a, a brief, like, vergence of their, of their plots and life, you know, trajectories. Because she even offers him the vial. Oh, yes. You know, and before we go in, do you want to... Yeah. He doesn't even take it. No. Like, we're not compatible. Like, yeah. that was a one-night... <laughs> that was a one-night fling. Yep. And she digs it. She you always like, know the right thing to say. Yes. And Sometimes the wrong person even. to the wrong yeah. person, yes. Her well, plans, however, are uh, rapidly foiled, or at least made moot, because the prince is dead, uh, and she is, like, being tearful and yeah, uh, I, dramatic I about it. Do you think that this is the first time she found out about it? Yes. 
Because she was out with John when it happened. I know, but she'd been back long enough to do up her hair and, and get dressed. And she yeah. is an intelligent agent. True. It's not established, but maybe that's why she wanted to go in first. Give me a chance to get the, the wet work started because... Okay, that makes sense. The waterworks take a few minutes to charge up. Right. You know? I've grieved with the best of them. Plus, having John show up immediately would completely derail that and uh, draw attention away from that. So she wants to you know, she gets her thing done first. That makes sense. Rigel's going like, well, can't you see that the Scarron did it? And he goes, of yes. course, the Empress knows that the Scarron did it. But, you know, the last time she threatened to execute the off-orders, she executed yeah. all the off-orders. The death of a member of the royal... Two members of the royal family cannot go unanswered. No. <laughs> Crichton, like, walks in. You're only half right. Yes. You will all be arrested and executed. I feel compelled to disagree with the Empress on that decision. Crichton! Crichton! Hey, Sparky. Oh, thank the spirits. Oh, he looks fantastic in his leathers. His steely eyes. Sorry about your prince, but I hear he deserved it. He's mean about Claivor so that Genevian has a chance to smack him in the face with another <laughs> Batman right. sound effect. Whack! Yeah. This seemed a little this seemed very premeditated between the two of them even though not much came from this whole uh, interaction. Yeah, she has a reason to storm out and so does Crichton who is going to solve this mystery. I'm assuming my execution is off. Yes, so somehow they knew know about the foundry because I don't know. I missed what the how that was exactly uh Oh, well, Dargo and and Scorpius uh, have teamed still, up, yeah. yeah. Are still looking for Chana, yes. And Scorpius has been down to the foundry before, and it seems like a likely place to dispose of a body, but... Makes sense, yeah. Instead of having disposed of her, Cargan, for some reason... Has dangles her, her above the vat of acid. Like he's yes. the Riddler. <laughs> so I do believe this was the scene that Gigi was uh, referring to the last time we sat oh, on her... Oh, your close personal friend Gigi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. The last time we, she uh, very uh, graciously uh, invited us to sit in on her uh, watch party stream. Yes. When she mentioned being in a room with a vat of boiling acid and Scorpius. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, okay, I so I never know just how much you're going to catch. It's sort of like when, you know, when adults are having a conversation around kids and they think, you oh, know, maybe they just missed that. <laughs> well, I heard it, obviously, but it wasn't spoilerific or anything. And it was like and surprising. And it was a name. Exactly. That's usually safe. <laughs> So, yeah, for some reason, the Riddler, uh, Scarron, is, like, commanding them to stay at bay. Keep your distance, yes. or I'll drop her in. Or what What's was, the plan? What's, yeah. yeah, what is the plan with Gianna? All the uh, off-worlders are still supposed to be at least in danger of being executed. But uh, Scorpius informs Dargo that the Scarron's powers have a, a limited range. That he cannot damage your brain from this distance, but any closer. There are two of us and only one of him. Yeah, yeah, and so they're going to circle You're kind around. of safe at this area, but get too much closer and he can, uh, he can hurt you. But there's one of him and two of us, so they, they're trying to outflank him. I'm still, like, I get that he, Cargan thinks that Chiana knows where Crichton is, and he's yes. sort of tormenting and torturing her, but he's always just used his heat ray on people to torture them. That's yeah. always sort of worked. Why this whole elaborate setup where she's gagged also? How right. is she going to tell well, him? She just, he does say that she told him something, although I can't quite remember what it was. She does not know Crichton's whereabouts, as I suspected. So, get rid of her. I believe she may have another use. I don't even want to know. It's a lure. Maybe it's bait yeah. to uh, lure Crichton out. There's lots of posturing. It's Scorpius who actually goes in on uh, the Scarron ambassador first. But he doesn't do very well. No. He's, his legs are buckling, and the Scarron ambassador, Cargan, gets to like be smug about the failings of this biological mistake, yes. as he's called him. His uh, zappy gun cuts one of Chana's chains so that she's now only dangling by one hand. But right in the nick of time, the cavalry in the form of John shows up with his zappy brooch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he just starts going to town on the Scarron ambassador, who seems to be tough stuff because yeah. he gives him a lot of that pulse pistol and he just keeps on going you haven't defeated me obviously not 
a little stuns, a lot kills, but it takes a very lot to take down a Scarron. So instead, being in a foundry and all, John decides to go all Terminator 2 on him. Yeah. Uh, grabs a chain, drop kicks, and drop kicks yeah. him into the vat of boiling acid, where we get a... Uh, it's, yeah. it's great. Like, he sinks into the bubbles. What a world, what a world, with one claw <laughs> yes. hand sticking off. I almost expected him to give him a Terminator 2 thumbs up as so, he went so under. So we, uh, at least we know that Scarrons are heavier than bronze. Oh, yeah, very good. <laughs> uh, uh, that must be some heavy acid. I noticed that absolutely nobody's worried about splashback. No. They're all uh, walking around with, like, bare arms and... and so, okay, But no. uh, Chiana uh, loses their grip on the chains. Dargo does a flying leap across the acid, knocks her yes. uh, and himself uh, uh, safe of the uh, acid. Crichton loves it. You're the best. How bad man was that? Chiana and Dargo run off to, I guess, fell a little bit more, I suppose. Yeah, Dargo turns around to Crichton and says, is Scorpius dead? And he goes, I don't know. Oh, well, so there was a whole thing with yeah. uh, Scorpius being hot and kind of suffering Good. here in the... I was uh, worried that maybe you missed it. Yes. No, no, I did. I, it didn't seem very relevant, but yeah, the Scarron goes, oh, well, the, his Scarron side craves the heat, but his uh, Sebastian side is it's killed by it, is destroyed by it. Yeah. By it. And apparently we, know, we learned that the little glowy, twisty thing that goes directly into his brain is a cooling rod. Tell me the rumors are true. Please tell me your search for thermic constancy is tormentful. Cooling rod directly into the brain. Yes, yeah. so to uh, s- save him from the uh, Sebastian heat death. I could really relate to Scorpius because I am of Irish and Indonesian descent. <laughs> I have the heat tolerance of an Irish person and, and I have the cold tolerance. Like of an I'm, Indonesian, I'm the, yes. <laughs> I'm like a hotel like shower uh, uh, temperature knob. Like, you've got to, it's got to be exactly right. Very tiny Goldilocks. Or I'm very, <laughs> yeah, so... I really, really saw myself, and God, there are days when I think, okay, a nice warm jumper and a cooling rod in my brain would be yeah. a great combination. That might be a good title for the episode, a very tiny Goldilocks zone. But... <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine what people are going to think? Yes. Going to... Okay, well, great. Dargo suggests, well, if he isn't dead, maybe he should be before you leave. Yes. And taking Shiana away, Crichton goes over to Scorpius and pushes him over the edge of the vat of acid. Yeah, and I was at this point, I'm just sitting there wondering, okay, what's his plan? Is he going to kill him or is he going to leave him for dead? Because he doesn't seem to be, he doesn't seem to be willing to kill him, but he is uh, willing to leave him. Yeah, he uh, shoves Scorpius over the uh, the vat of acid. We yes. see another flashback to the, uh, the Aurora chair. Yep, and he says, we're not friends, we're not enemies. Leave me the fuck alone, basically. Or the next time we part... One of us will be dead. And staggers away. Yes. Because he, does, he doesn't seem to want to kill Scorpius. Yeah. But he trusts that... Yeah, I so- mean, it's very telling that we got this flashback back to the, uh, the Aurora chair. Mm. There is... There are complicated relationships between abuser and abused and the, the sort of power that they can exert over each other. Like, maybe... You see him even staggering away, confused yes. and, and in pain. Like... He doesn't even understand why he didn't kill yeah. Scorpius. Is he hoping that he just dies of the, uh, the Sebastian heat death? Or is he... Yeah. Turns How out... Scorpius was faking it. This whole time. time. Yeah, he was just... The heat doesn't bother him. The he moment didn't... that John is gone, he just stands up and does that little flick in the pool of acid. As it... Yeah. <laughs> like... I wonder if it's just his, his suit that would... It might uh... be, yeah. Well, okay, so we know that uh, the Scarron went into the acid and was dissolved by yes. it. Yes. But, I mean, his face looked sort of okay. So maybe he was only harmed by the acid because he had a, a hole punctured in his chest by the many blasts of the... Could be. We don't know. It's like... Set phaser to fun. <laughs> that kind of wraps up that storyline, I suppose. But we're still in the sort of line of royal succession. The Empress circles John. John's back in his uh, in his coat. Yes, John's like, he... I'm not going back to a statue. Yeah, no, I'm done. I want to leave. She does not approve and informs him that he's a father. Yep. What the hell are you talking about? My daughter is pregnant with your seed. Whoa, how? No, no, we never... Samples from the DNA comparison. Which makes John immediately flip. Okay, make me back into a statue. Yep. Make me a statue. Not a second hesitation. Even questions. Oh, you changed your mind so easily? Kid has to uh, have two parents. My kid... traditional, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like the kid deserves two parents. My child deserves a father. Make me a statue. And she respects that. I guess he's missing his father and he doesn't want... 
a kid of his to go without one. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Because, like, unlike many men in science fiction, he has a very, very positive relationship with his father. He always knew that his father loved him. Yes. Like, that's that's pretty clear any time that you see them, or the and only time you see them interacting. And they're comfortably expressing it. Yeah. So, yeah. She calls him an honorable man, talks to Taino, have this honorable man converted back into the statue, and, and he Tyler goes... And goes, yeah, sorry, no can do. Actually, I'm afraid that's impossible, Empress. Recall that Crichton is not sebation. Based on our findings, human physiology would not tolerate the process a second time. What the hell are you talking about? If you stood beneath that machine again, you would die. Hey, Tino, couldn't you lead with that? Yes. This is a whole crisis. <laughs> yeah. None of it is necessary. You, none of, nobody needs to be in this room. This reveal could have been an email. But John uh, decides that, okay, in that case... Why don't we, you do it? You do it. No, you become yeah. the. Just I mean, points at the nearest yeah. man. Well, not the nearest man. There's a very good reason for choosing Tino because Tino and the princess love each other. They've been like dabbing a little bit behind the scenes and they were hoping that uh, they were going to be together after the, her 18th birthday or whatever birthday it is and she was no yeah. longer eligible to become empress. But that their DNA wasn't compatible because of the poisoning, but it right. doesn't matter because she's already pregnant. Yeah. And they love each other. Yes, that's and that's the good thing. And he goes, you guys need a ruler. Nobody here has seen my face except for the 50 or so people that were present at the wedding. Yes, uh, I really wonder what happened because they leave after this. What's going to happen to the other 47 people that were present? Right. Like, it's and just in, going to... And no witnesses. A, and in 80 cycles, nobody's going to remember Tino anyway. Because, wait, wasn't that the guy? <laughs> maybe, maybe they're going to do some reconstructive surgery on his face or at least... Uh, Tino, you're him... going to have to... I'm sorry, yeah. bud. You're going to have to take this f***ing pose. It's yeah. going to be awful. <laughs> uh, the Empress uh, agrees. And uh, as he's leaving, Tino offers Crichton, would you like to see what your child looks like? Yes. Or, sorry, no. He talks to Katrala. Which, hey, let's talk about this. Yeah. Why didn't anybody talk to Katrala for this whole episode? Well, Katrala is, oh, yeah. She's a statue, but you've got the, you've got the headsets. Like, they're trying to find, okay, who stole the head? Ask Katrala. She was f***ing there. there. Oh, very good point. I, right? I missed that completely. Yeah, that's like a bit of a plot hole there, right there. It's like she could have told that it was the ambassador, it was her brother, that everybody, this could have she all been. She was a witness. Yes. Again, this could have all been an email. <laughs> Wow, yes. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. But okay, so finally someone decides uh, to talk to her. First it's Crichton to ask, hey, you cool with this? She goes, yeah, yeah, works for me. Yeah. What do you say? Does this work for you? Yes, thank you. And then it's Tino who says, the princess would like to know if you'd like to see your daughter. Yes, the machine shows him uh, the kid, so it's a different kid this time than the first time because the first one was a boy and now it's a girl. Yeah. Uh, Are you my daddy? daddy so, like, this oh. seems to be a pre-programmed thing. Because, wasn't that what the other kid said as well? Yep. But he says, yes, and I love you, daddy. And uh, it's, yeah. it's really sweet. It's and just an illusion. He but gets to see the daughter he never will. And he manages to keep it together. He gives, he gives Katrala a squeeze on the shoulder. You take care of my little girl. And walks out before, I guess, he bursts into tears. Yes. Leaving everybody behind. Because next we are on Moya, where we're having a shower scene between Chiana oh, and Dargo. yeah. Like, she's behind a screen, yes. but there's a lot of steam coming from behind and it. There's, so... And there's literally an Ikea shower head hanging on the wall there. <laughs> oh, yes. It's just like... Yes, we remember those from Exorcist from Genesis. So it's Chiana and Dargo. Dargo is naked. Yes. We actually see his shoulders for the first oh, time. Oh, yeah, he's got his cool tattoo there as well. Did you doubt that the rest of his body was also covered in tattoos? No, of course not. And Chiana is great. Yes. Like, she says she's proud of him. He's proud of her. You handled yourself well. <laughs> well, you handled myself well, too. Uh, uh, and he's in the slums because he's feeling bad for John, who never gets to see his daughter, and that makes him feel about how he's worried about not getting to see his son again. It hits home, yeah. says, uh, uh, says Chiana. They're so great. She's taking very good care of him. Yes, I love how Chiana is like the emotional support person. That, I mean, I guess that was Zahn's job at first, but Chiana seems to be much better at it than Zahn is. I mean, yeah. Zahn is more the, the, the religious and the more mental uh, grown-up thing, and Chiana is more the emotional support, I suppose. Zahn just wants to be in the room where the crises are happening, yes. and she actually wants to help resolve them. I guess this is why Zahn and she 
don't get on very well. I like, suppose that makes sense, yeah. She wraps herself in one of the skin flakes as a temporary <laughs> dress or towel. Or... Yeah, it is still cable television. Mm. She plays with, with Dargo's tentacles. She's very sweet and gentle to him. Yes, and then we have the final scene, which we already talked about with uh, John and John Aaron, and Aaron uh, sharing their kiss and sharing the smile. <sighs> so this, yeah, this last scene... And the very first scene, both of them in the maintenance bay, those were the first to be written, Okay, uh, said, said David Kemper. I wrote those first. That was going to be the, the whole part. And then the rest was all just going filling in. Going to work towards that. Yeah. How do you get from where they were actually passionately kissing and then ejecting the canopy? Yeah. She's terrified. He's frustrated. They're both immature in their own ways. And how do they, how, how can they meet? Where can they find them, each other? Mm. And it's, I think it's brilliant it's still in a place of uncertainty. Both of them have matured through their experiences. Both of them have been like confronted with flaws that they were carrying with them. And they try this. Like, it's not about their feelings for each other. No. It's about their like future potential and all these other aspects that come from a more serious kind of relationship. Wanting family, raising children. Uh, I guess that, yeah, the whole genetic compatibility uh, makes it uh, very clear that that's the point where they're working towards. Yeah. Which is a bit heteronormative and, yeah. and focusing on reproduction, which is not everybody's, uh, which no. is not the focus of every relationship. But we see, but we see that in the relationship between Chana Ch- exactly. uh, and Dargo, who, okay, we're not compatible, we know that, but that's not what this is about. And also between Katrala and Taino. Yes. They're going to raise their child, whoever was the, the donor of the, yes. the other chromosome. Yeah. And, oh, man, I... Okay, so it's it hard a, for yeah. this to be like a fun-filled thing because I just really liked it. Yeah, it's a great. It was a great episode. It, was, it really tied the last two together. It was a little bit talky, uh, especially the scenes with. Uh, oh, you know, I like those. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, all right. It was good. Willies and Woodies. All right. She gives me a Woody. She gives you the Willies. My Woody goes undoubtedly to oh. Crichton's decision to cede to Tyler. Oh, I love that scene. I, I thought that was oh, like ama- yeah. I, I thought that was amazing. How he goes? Okay, I want the best for mostly my kid. And he gives my child a good father, and they love each other. Yeah, and yep. this is it. And I'm going to cede all my power and responsibility because you know he can't wait for t- eighty cycles to yeah. get around, and he knows that uh, Tylo and the princess have been uh, getting it on for each other, and that they will be a a, a good match in that regard. Does and he know that? I think he does. Oh yes, Katrala confides. Yes. Him. Yeah, because it was Aaron who spied on them right, in the Garden of Betrayal, which nothing came of that. No. It's just mostly for us to, to see. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there is a cynical reading of that scene where he goes, well, okay, my, my kid deserves this. Uh, I can't give it to you. Uh, You're you do, do it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Tag. <laughs> you touched it last. No, I... I wow. That's, that's a really good wood. <laughs> what a lovely woody you've got this week. Gosh. <laughs> Ooh. Was there any willies for me? Oh, interesting. I don't really, none of them really jumped out at me. I mean, maybe the whole thing with everybody always conveniently ending up in the acid fat foundry or something, that was a bit, that was a <laughs> yeah. bit weak. But other than that, I, there was nothing that really jumped out at me for being really out of place or anything like that. Although I would have to admit now that missing the whole plot line where the princess can tell everybody exactly what happened, <laughs> yes! uh, including everybody's plans, which they... Talked Which about at, at length. Yes. She's got ears. She can see everything this whole time. Every word. The acoustics of this chamber funnel all sound. Yes, that's a bit of a, sh- a shower thought plot hole afterwards. Oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, it's tricky because I want to give my willy to the, you know, the one night stand between Crichton and, and Genevian. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not that bad, I guess, especially because for both of them, it was a one-night stand. Right. It was, like, she's a peacekeeper. She knows about recreation. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yes. Very much so, yeah. Yeah. That's totally in her mode, and she's very pleased that that's the resolution for him as well. It might be the thing for him that he gets to learn that it is, in fact, Aaron that he wants and not just some other hot, fit uh, submission. And not woman. just sex, yeah. also. Yeah, could be. That's a really good point. So, yeah, I'm not going to give that my willy. Actually, they're probably both going to go to the, uh, the foundry scenes because oh. there is, okay, Willie, there's no reason for that to exist. No. There's no reason for, like, royalty to have access to it. To, yeah, just a room with a boiling vat of acid and lots of chains hanging over it and uh, fl- flames in the background. Yes, yeah. but Woody, 
It's awesome. <laughs> it is very Batmanish, though, as uh, uh, John yeah. uh, manages to point out. Like Willie doing the like swinging on a chain to to to, to kick someone into the vat of acid. This is a really bad plan, Woody. Yeah. It's awesome. So, yeah. uh, Willie, the, the Scarron's plan to like hang Chia up on Gianna up on chains makes no sense. Woody, it's still yeah. awesome. <laughs> I guess she, she got to show off a little bit more tra- trapezoid work there. <laughs> Okay, uh, shall we do the naming of the episode? We haven't done that one in a while. Oh, we, we already had a, su- a suggestion or two, I believe. Yes, I, 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 I don't know that a, I really want to go... A very small Goldilocks zone? <laughs> it's wearing on me. Actually, I think... Mm, no, no, we have to do something else. Because uh, I've written down head puns. Okay. And we have done zero. Okay. Like, predicting that, oh, I bet we're going to do a lot of head puns. Oh, like, okay. don't lose your head. head. Getting ahead in life. Yes, taking some I mean, head. Giving there was no uh, no no heads were given to anybody at any point. That was uh, the last episode with Darko and Chiana. Oh yes. I mean, we're he- basically heading doing... o- heading onwards. He- oh oh, head of the family. Head of the family. Oh, head, head of the royal head, family. Head of the dynasty. Oh yes, that's the one. <laughs> yes yes, nailed it. And that's the story so far, Scape. We will see you next week with episode 214, Beware of Dog, in which there was an old woman who swallowed a fly. And what do you send after a parasite? That's right, an adorable, wobbling little chicken tandoori. But you won't like him when he's hungry. (laughs) Yes. Okay. You can find us at SoFarscape on Twitter and Facebook, SoFarscape.com. If you want to chip in, you can support us on Patreon.com slash SoFarscape. Oh, 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 actually, ooh, we have new links. We do. So if you want to submit your own synopsis for any of these upcoming episodes, you can do that at SoFarscape.com slash submit. It has to be absolutely accurate and completely useless at the same time. Yeah, good luck trying to like describe these episodes without using uh, without using character names, but man, like everybody's been stepping up to the plate. I'm so excited to see what people bring. Uh, and the uh, Patreon link is also uh, sofarscape.com/support. We actually have a few new subscribers to our Patreon. Thank you so much and welcome to you all. Uh, first of all, Horsebird. I think maybe that's supposed to be Horsebird. Maybe it's I made a little typo. Okay, Oopsie, Horsebird. Uh, <laughs> welcome. You, you can't really tell these days. I know. Uh, welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for your contribution. And a big thank you to John as well. Thank you so much for uh, joining the family. And please enjoy all the all the all the gifs and the fan fictions and the, just the like the very very stupid bonuses that are available to everyone. And to, uh, to all of our existing patrons, a big thank you as well. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, far skates so, so good. good.